I hear from so many leaders that they can't find good people to fill their jobs, whether it's from turnover or growth. And one of the things we do, as you know, is we do recruiting. And as a recruiter, in certain fields, I do agree, it is hard to find good people. But then if we turn the tables and we just get a little bit creative and recruit differently, it is actually easier. And today's guest, Megan Hoovey, has done that. She is the CEO and founder of Hoovey & Co., a CPA firm where they do fractional CFO work. And she has a very innovative internship program that takes individuals from an intern to a CFO. If you remember from a few weeks ago, we talked to Levi Torres about his apprenticeship program for plumbers, and I want to get her perspective and her view on her internship process and talk about the differences between the two and see if it will help you do a, have a better luck hiring. Megan, welcome to How I Turned the Corner. Thank you so much for having me, Kendra. I'm really grateful you're here. So um, I'd love for you to just give us a little intro into what you guys do over at Hoobie & Co. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So our focus at um, the firm is to serve truly small businesses. So we say that's about zero to five or 10 million in revenue, depending on the service model. But um, it's really the small business that we're focused on. It's as you get to be more corporate level size business, there's there, you know, it's affordable to have a CPA either outsourced or in-house, um, it's affordable to have your own accounting team. Uh, but in the small business world, we just have, I noticed as I went to be self-employed, I just noticed that it's almost not underserved. It's almost not served um, in the accounting world. So small businesses are a little bit lost with maybe they can find a tax person who will maybe communicate with them and file on time. But then the rest of the year is kind of a black hole for communication and support. So what we do is we really try to partner with our clients um, just periodically check in and have more of a, a touch base with our, our clients ongoing. So we're trying to innovate the accounting relationship for the small business. That's great. Yeah, it is definitely a big hole as a, as a small business myself. It's been one of the more challenging, you know, things to try to services to try to find. So, um, so, so tell us then with this model, like I, I mean, I, we're right now recruiting for a few accounting roles and, Definitely. It is challenging. Like there's uh, the culture side of finding a really good accountant is hard. You've got usually people who maybe have the skill and have the background, but not always just that personality and and the sort of culture fit. But you've, you know, you've kind of experienced that too, it sounds like, and you've kind of come up with this new program. Can you just share some of the reasons and some of the pitfalls you've experienced over the years? Yeah, absolutely. So I, I kind of went from being from having a lifestyle business as a, a woman who wanted to own my own schedule, um, and realized there was just such a deep need, and that it wasn't really this like cute niche that I had found, but it was really something that we could really change the way businesses are served on a bigger scale. So that was my reason for deciding to hire and be really strategic about growing my firm that was a solo practitioner shop in the beginning. Uh, but what I had decided, I just, maybe it's the accountant in me, but I was really scrappy and savvy about how I wanted to grow. And I knew that like going out and hiring another CPA who had practiced for a very long time, mostly it started from, but it's not necessarily in the budget or the way that I like to scale. I'm not, my risk tolerance is probably in the middle. It's not super high. So I decided to interview, you know, folks who are more sort of green and fresh in their accounting, like definitely had the fundamentals, but you know, we're just younger in terms of their accounting career. 
And I realized, you know, if I call it an internship and then offer that full-time position at the end of it, should it be successful, that that would probably be really appealing to someone who wanted to find an accounting career, but maybe they're finishing up some education or some licensure, you know, testing and stuff. So, um, so that's how I started was I really interviewed folks who are really hungry and green and really people centered. Um, that is something that I think is unique about me is that I am that more introverted, left brain analytical person, but I kind of act more like an extrovert. I really enjoy groups of people. I enjoy speaking, you know, that, and so, you know, and I just really enjoy people. I enjoy, you know, helping them and seeing, you know, what the work that I do, seeing that make a difference. So I knew I was looking for maybe what was a little bit more of a unicorn in the accounting world, but I, I had my first hire in 2020 in the middle of COVID. Um, our firm was having babies everywhere <laughs> and I found someone and she was an absolute gem. And actually, I, I can't not tell this story. It's kind of hilarious but I had done a few interviews and you know when you're interviewing come the more you've done it the more you have that experience of like someone's great on paper but you get through the interview and you just have that conclusion that like it's not exactly what I'm looking for um and so I interviewed this gal and she was very young and she was currently she was working as a nanny and she had a young child and she was um, expecting as well and she hadn't had the tax background and she was finish, finishing her accounting degree. And I just loved her. And it was, it was a normal interview process, um, asked the traditional questions, but I really just like, just thought this, she's the one. And I went home that weekend to like my husband and my sister, just kind of telling them about the different candidates. And they were like, oh, you interviewed someone who is expecting, it doesn't have a tax background, is just barely doing accounting. And I'm like, yeah. And they're like, mm, I don't know. And I thought, okay, yeah, maybe you're right. And then that Monday I was like, nope, I have to hire her. <laughs> and she was our first like intern to CFO. And oh my gosh, she's an absolute just gem in our firm and one of our just resident experts and absolutely wonderful what she does. But that was kind of my first experience in trying to be a little bit creative with mm. hiring. So, oh, that's great. Yeah, that's really good. And so, so it's interesting because I think, um, younger employees or, you know, employees that are just newer into, into their, into their career, they also need to be not only taught how to do the job, but how to have a job. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So can you just share a little bit about like what, how much, how much structure is there on the, of course, the skill side? And then what are the other things you're doing from more of that mentoring side? Yeah, Absolutely. I, that is kind of my philosophy with management and leadership is to try to be really clear about expectations so that there's no blaming. There's no, like try to remove the emotion out of developing as an employee and growing. So in the beginning, when I would have my own frustrations as a business owner or a leader, I would ask myself, well, do I have a clear expectation around X? And is there like, and no, do I or don't I? And if I do, is there any consequence if that expectation is not met? Because if I don't have a clear expectation, then I absolutely can't have a conversation or some any kind of performance review about that if there's not a clear expectation in the beginning. Like we, we got to kind of grow up as business owners and leaders. Um, and then just, yeah, what is the consequence? Cause if there is an expectation, but there's no, like, if this happened, then that happened, you know, this is the result. It just, again, it's like raising children. Um, just a, so what, 
why do we have the expectation then? So um, I, it is extremely important to me when I first started hiring, when I knew I wanted to scale, I just thought I've been so successful because clients really enjoy that there's a personal relationship and they see the same person every time. So I knew longevity of employees was going to be key. I knew that I was enjoying my role so much because I was an owner. And I thought, well, if I'm going to hire employees that are going to stay with the firm for a long time, they're going to have to feel like owners in a sense, like that empowerment of having some ownership over your schedule, um, how you do the work you do. So that's what we've done is we found this balance between you kind of get to form the type of clients you work with and how often do you want to meet remote versus in person? And you can be your schedule can be hybrid. You can be home some days and in an office some days. But then we set expectations like, if your schedule is going to, everyone needs to have a baseline schedule. If it is going to change, you need to communicate that to like your lead CFO by the Friday before. You try to set some structure around that um, more free, like open way of dis deciding how your schedule is going to be. And then we just have metrics. Like you might decide that you only meet with clients two times a week and the rest of the week is project-based. Or you might decide that you're, you know, in office two days and you're remote the rest. But like, here's your numbers, like, here's the numbers that you need to kind of hit. And it's just a report, like you did hit those numbers or you did not And then, you know, we can go from there. But I, yeah, it's just really important to me to kind of remove like any I've seen, especially I think in professional services with accountants, with lawyers. So, you know, your craft really well, and you don't necessarily know like management, leadership, boundaries, you know, emotional intelligence, you don't, don't necessarily know those things well. And if you're not proactive about that, what you can end up doing is hiring people expecting them to be you getting really frustrated when they're not and then just kind of having temper tantrums or being overly easy and then not one and wondering why you're not hitting your financial goals like there just has to be a lot of intentionality I think um and you know we're not making it this this mean something about your employee it's just here's like really clear metrics and then we can figure out how to go from here if we're not hitting them mm -hmm. you know so yeah I think so a, a lot of what you just said I think is really important to highlight um, for the listeners too. So there's, there, there's no way you can have an environment that's flexible if you do not have goals that are clear and then the metrics that support the goals and then the consequences if they don't hit the goals. Like that is so essential. And by the way, Megan, rare. <laughs> so <laughs> many of the businesses we work with, they're like, I'm like, well, what are the goals? Well, make money. It's like, this isn't a goal, right? And so, I mean, there's maybe not that, you know, right. lib, but I mean, it's not far from that. And it's so critical that we are more clear about that. And I think it's not just for, um, for the benefit of the business and the bottom line, but it's especially important for younger employees too. There's going to be some employees that are maybe a little bit more seasoned that can kind of figure it out and kind of see what direction needs to kind of go, but that's not going to be for somebody who is new into working at all. And right. so I love that you're doing that. Um, and then I think a second big piece is also being really clear. So for anyone who's listening that is in a professional services organization and like billing on an hourly basis, that's so important that you're clear too on what is that utilization rate? Like what are you expecting people to hit so that your bottom line is is, is sound, right? And so right. And that can be such a good metric also for being clear around like, okay, you got to bill, like in our case, we want everyone to be billing 
hopefully around 32 hours a week. Right. And so, um, you know, which is an 80% utilization rate basically. And so, um, so that's so cool that you're doing that now. Um, and I, I can just picture all of it. Like I can picture your bottom line and how healthy it is because of all of that. Right. right? Yes. Yeah. I mean, it's so funny how similar our, our, you know, companies are, that is exactly it. And, you know, it took me probably a year or two years to develop like metrics and reporting that were more automated for that purpose. So it was like during our busy season, we have, you know, you have to call it effective billable hours. In the beginning, everyone thinks it's client, it's billable, like, oh, those are two very different things. So we just had to come up with a clear metric and then clear reporting. Because I think, you know, my Vistage chair said this to me once, like, you can say something to an employee 10 times, but if they don't hear what you're saying, like, then you didn't say it. So it took a lot of times of kind of explaining the process and automating it and making it as simple for my, you know, teammates to understand. But then once we did, it's just so cut and dry. It's like, you know, we know we're there or we're not. And then let's have a conversation about how we can get there if we're not. But it's exactly that. What are your effective billable hours? And in the busy season, that's a higher number. And and something really key, and be feel that feeling of feeling self-employed, which doesn't have to be important for all companies, but that's important for mine, I believe, in the longevity. Uh, so it's ownership over work style and schedule and things like that, but it's also having some leverage over your earnings. And so I know that as especially, I mean, we're all female firm right now. So just the reality is a lot of us are young moms and there's gonna be times in life where you kind of maybe want to go a little more pedal to the metal and, you know, earn more, especially as like self-employed folks. That's true too, I think. And so, or, you know, are there times where your quality of life is really important, new babies, whatever the case may be. And it's more, I, I prioritize quality of life more. So I wanted to provide that leverage of earnings for my employees too, and not just for me as the owner. And so that's part of it too. It's like, I set those metrics so that you are, you can hit this number and be okay. And then like, that's perfectly satisfactory. Or if you want to go above that, then you, you know, X percent of billings, you know, are go to your bonus. So it's like, just really important to me that again, for longevity purpose, I'm thinking, what would I want if I were in their shoes, you know? Mm-hmm. So can we, let's go back around to the internship program. So, um, have you, I mean, do you have kind of a plan? Like, do you have it laid out around like what someone's going to experience for a certain period of time as an intern? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So it's really for us that we found the um, kind of the right fit in terms of length of the program is really about six to 12 months. And so we kind of call it a more accelerated program. If someone does come in, maybe like with their CPA license, that's like a three month program to before we're assigning clients to you. And then if someone comes in like accounting degree and we need to get them a certification to prepare taxes and things like that, it's the longer program. But yeah, what it looks like is a lot of learning, a lot of maybe more textbook learning if they need that credential still, a lot of in-person learning with different teammates who have specialties in different areas, and then a lot of practice. So in our firm, we have it's really simple. We have CFOs and CFOs have paras, just like a lawyer has a paralegal. And so um, they function like a para as a part of that internship so that they can learn um, really the ins and outs. Like a para ultimately sees everything that comes across the CFO's desk. They see tax returns, they see accounting projects, they see, you know, payroll tax notice issues, like you name it, they see it. So an intern has that more traditional like textbook learning that more one-on-one learning and then again practicing as a para really before they get that CFO title in our firm. And so so I'm assuming you're paying them during this period. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. 
And so, yeah, that has worked well in that a lot of times because of our growth and our kind of stretching to meet demand, we have, we tend to have a need for that additional para work. So it's a little bit of an investment on our part, but they're also a little bit billable as they serve in that para role until they become a CFO. So okay. yes, paid, paid program for sure. Okay. That's great. And so then how, how then do you keep people on the payroll after they've learned all of this? Yeah. Um, it really goes back to kind of those elements of you have some leverage over your earnings via our bonus program and then um, that control. I mean, I will say, I think the thing, if I had to venture to guess, I think the thing that employees at our firm, and I, I honestly never use the word employees. I really do use the word teammates for better or for worse. But what we, um, what people value the most, I think, is the flexibility and trust that like they have their metrics, they know what they are. So no one's babysitting you. Did you get here right at eight o'clock or was it eight o two? Do you have the right kind of shoes on? Like people, you know, you get a pick. I I like being home these days, so those are the days I'm going to work from home. And we have a lot of fun. We have a lot of laughter going on. So. Number one, I think by the time people become a CFO, they really, we've kind of fallen in love with the team and the culture. They have that leverage over their bonuses. They have that um, that flexibility and how they work and when they work. Um, and then I think the other thing is just our world is very complex. And so it's really hard. If you could go to another firm and I would just argue there's not going to be the competition and culture most to nine times out of 10. But then also just our firm, there's so much benefit in having a whole team you can go to. Like we can all go to each other if we have a technical question that we don't know the answer to. And that is huge. So that's excellent. So, so I think it's another just untapped uh, culture or an, an untapped benefit that a lot of people are not thinking about. And that is the flexibility. So when I opened up my business, I was a young, I had young kids or young child. Now I have two. Um, I had a baby during my early years of running my company and I needed a lot of flexibility. And I'm also energetically somebody who like, I just get bursts of energy at random times. Like sometimes I'm super energetic at midnight. Sometimes I have lots of energy in the morning. And so, um, and so I want to be able to do that work, do work when I have the energy. And I know a lot of people like that, except that we've been constrained by this, like Monday through Friday, eight to five schedule. And so, and, and so I, I want to really highlight that another, yet another company, you guys that has a flexible environment that's getting results. It is possible. <laughs> right. Yes. Right? Yes. Yeah. Oh, yes. It really is. I think it, I do think it goes back to the clear expectations and metrics. If you're going to have the flexibility, then what expectations do you have on the backside? I think companies that don't have set expectations and metrics, the way that they think that they make their employees productive is, well, I can see that they're here. I can see that they're doing something. Yeah. How about we flip that around and say, like, what? defines their productivity and then let them loose to work how they want to work. Because again, otherwise I would argue in this day and age, you're going to have churn. You're just going to have lots of turnover. You can make yeah. them come in, can make them work eight to five and then not define their success in terms of numbers and whatever. And then you'll, you'll replace them in right. a year or nine months, whatever. Mm -hmm. So yeah. yeah. And do the math on that. That's yeah. expensive. That right. is so expensive. And that's another thing that I just, I don't understand why more leaders are not actually looking at the costs associated with having an employee in a shorter, I don't know, lifetime value. Right. And so the, you know, we talk about the cost of a customer acquisition, the cost of sales, right. 
why don't we talk about the cost of an employee? And like, right. there is an ROI, a couple of year number of a, some time frame. It's different for each role around at what point have you gotten the, you've gotten the ROI on that employee. Right. For professional services firms like ours. I think my ROI is around three years. Mm-hmm. If I've, if, if I've lost someone earlier than three years, I haven't fully realized the benefit there in my environment. Now we work with all different types of companies. We have a coffee shop that we work with. We have manufacturing, we have, you know, variety of different roles. And I think there's an ROI with those different, those different roles, but I really encourage businesses to also do the math on that because if you're losing people soon, it's expensive. It's so expensive. And so, yeah. And it's not worth it to just, cause you've got head trash around, I, I, they're not doing work if I can't see them. It's like, well, yeah, they are. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. I think, yeah, you and I have similar philosophies. It was something you said in the beginning. Oh gosh, I might've lost it. But I, I would go back to like, you know, that I see a lot of clients, really tons of clients with the hiring difficulties. Um, they're kind of the same conversation over and over. Well, I put something on Indeed. I still can't find, we just can't hire in our industry. And I know like hiring's difficult in any industry. Um, but I just like, well, if you don't do anything different, we're not going to get different results. So we can like keep having this conversation or like you had mentioned with the other folks you've interviewed that have apprenticeships and things like that, or we can get creative and think of something different. Like I love the phrase, if you don't have a good option that you're looking at, then you don't have enough options. So Mm -hmm. it's like, you have to, create more options for yourself. Mm -hmm. Um, So yeah, absolutely. But yeah, I just think you have to think as a leader, what would I want? Because if you're confused and frustrated that you keep losing people, I think the question needs to become, well, what would it take for me to stay somewhere? And oftentimes it's not going to be what you have implemented. It's going to be quite the opposite, you know? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So uh, do you have part-time as well? Our pair is our part-time. Um, and our, our CFOs tend to be full-time, but we do tend to get kind of flexible with like, you know, we do, we've had a lot of maternity leave. And so we're pretty flexible around like being able to fill in for each other and then let moms kind of decide how soon they do want to come back and things like that. But, um, but, but yeah, our para position is part-time. Okay. That's great. Cause I think that opens up another whole pool of, um, of, of people. So when I, started turning the corner and I started adding team and I was making enough money to add, add to the team. I targeted a lot of the stay-at-home parents mm-hmm. um, and I say stay-at-home parents cause I had a stay-at-home dad at one point too. And, um, and it just opened up a whole new pool of, of candidates because I was able to say, you know, work the hours you want to work. If you want to work five hours a week or you want to work 10, um, I can find work for you. Right. And what's been remarkable about that is that it, it, so let me just give an actual real world example with this. So one of my employees a, a few years ago was full-time. She, she said, I'm going to resign because I want to become a guidance counselor. And I was like, oh, that's so exciting. And so she went and started her degree in guidance counseling, came back about three weeks later. And she's like, can I work part-time? <laughs> Cause I, I don't really want to only be in school full time. And I was like, sure. So she said, I can work maybe 17 hours a week. And I was like, all right. Oh my gosh, Megan, I got the most enormous amount of work out of this 17 hours oh my pr- gosh. productivity because she was so focused yeah. right? kind of expand our energy to the time that we have. And she would just sit down and she was just on top of it. Man. And it was like, so amazing. So I like also want to encourage that part-time doesn't necessarily mean 
part effort. Mm-hmm. Yes, absolutely. Oh my gosh. Yes. I mean, our, yeah, our part-time gals are Paris. What's um, interesting about most of them is they're more, they tend to be more retired from something really professional, but don't want to be like fully out of working. And so they're really just professional qualified folks, but oh my gosh, they're the pillars in our team. Like they're, they're experts in their respective areas in the firm and they're so consistent and their customer service is off the charts and yeah, they're part-time and they're even more flexible in coming and going like, Oh, I'm going to be in Wednesday and be, and yet you don't ever have to ask, like, are you going to get your hours? Are you going to get to this? Like we just absolutely don't have to babysit each other. You know, it just, Mm -hmm. yeah, I I completely agree. Part-time does not mean part effort. That's really, Mm -hmm. really good way to put that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, well, that, I think that's a perfect place for us to to end our conversation. So, Megan, thank you so much for joining me today on How I Turned the Corner. It was fascinating to hear your experience. Thank you so much, Kendra. I mean, it's just, yeah, super refreshing to talk with someone who's philosophically really kind of aligned in this area. But thank you again for having me. Yeah, absolutely.